0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Become a certified
1: blockchain citizen today by going to blockdaemon.comslash unconfirmed and easily launch your own Bitcoin node risk free for 30 days. Your branding and
0: website are the first things your audience will see. In the ever-expanding world of ICOs and blockchain startups, you need to stand out from the pack. OnRamp is a full-service creative and design agency that will help you amplify your brand with a perfect website, logo, collateral, or custom design project. Get big results in no time by visiting thinkonramp.com. My guest today is Tom Jessup, president of Fidelity Digital Assets. Welcome, Tom.
1: Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me.
0: Fidelity had some big news last week about how it's launching Fidelity Digital Asset Services, which is for institutions to trade and store crypto assets such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. But before we dive into that news, Fidelity has actually been dipping its toe into crypto in various ways over the years. Can you recap what its activities have been up until this point?
1: Yeah, happy to. You know, Fidelity is an organization and I'm I'm relatively new uh, to the company. So it's really been interesting for me to see how the organization approaches innovation for such a large company. And so our story begins back in 2014, where a group of folks internally were really focused on this theme called frictionless capital markets. You know, how can we improve the, you know, make, make the current market infrastructure more accessible, more inclusive, more efficient? And uh, folks started talking about blockchain And so from that point forward, that really began our journey through an organization called Fidelity Labs. We began to fund some basic uh, research in the space, both in terms of enterprise blockchain, but also digital assets. Uh, And we did a couple of interesting things. We, uh, We started mining Bitcoin in 2015 we did a number of controlled experiments internally where we had employees spend, uh, Bitcoin, uh, in the employee cafeteria, as an example, which was quite interesting in <laughs> hindsight, in, in hindsight, probably the most expensive bagel that anyone ever bought. <laughs> um, and you know, we really, we really learned a lot about the technology. Subsequently, we started accepting uh, digital assets into our donor advised fund fidelity charitable. So last year, Uh, I think we got about $70 million of uh, crypto donated by folks who wanted to open charitable giving accounts, which was a 10x increase over 16. And I think we got to a point where all of this experimentation, combined with our view on uh, the markets, we reached this inflection point where we said, you know, there's something to do here. And that's really towards the end of last year, where we started thinking about the birth of Fidelity Digital Assets. And, you know, here we are nine, 10 months later with this announcement
0: yeah yeah i definitely wanted people to have this awareness that you know this is not necessarily new territory for you guys in the sense that you you know have some familiarity with these assets um so then let's talk about your new news what it is what is it that you announced
1: right so we we, our, our vision is uh institutional brokerage capabilities for you know family offices hedge funds other institutions that that are investing in digital assets or would like to invest in digital assets so obviously a very important aspect of that is custody so the safekeeping of private keys another important aspect of that is allowing our clients to do price discovery in the market and so the way we're going to do that is by uh, giving clients the ability to interrogate a number of liquidity providers and market venues to find the best price at a point in time And that really becomes the foundation for growing that business in a few dimensions. One is in terms of uh, the other types of assets that we include on the platform, um, but also from a trading standpoint, how we think about building out the institutional trading capabilities that our customers are asking for. And quite frankly, that they're accustomed to in other asset classes.
0: Oh, interesting. So. I mean, for now, you have these two services, trade, execution, and custody, but you guys aren't launching your own exchange. So why why not launch your own exchange?
1: Uh, it's a great question. I think there are um, a lot of other folks that are doing quite a good job at that. And um, there's been even some recent news about more institutional players coming into the market um, from an exchange standpoint. And I think we'd rather focus on delivering a high quality market access service to our customers and really focusing on the customer side of this. Having said that, we do want to help the market evolve. I mean, there are many things that from an institutional standpoint need to be fixed in this market. You know, one example is the pre-funding of trades at multiple exchanges. Um, you know, another one is getting high fidelity market data so that investors know at a point in time where the best bidder offer is in the market. And so even though we don't have an intention to build our own exchange, our Our intent is to work with exchanges and other infrastructure providers to evolve the market in a direction that suits the needs of of institutions.
0: Can you talk more about that issue that you mentioned, the pre-funding of something on the exchanges? I I didn't quite follow that.
1: Yeah. So basically the way to think about it is um, most current uh, crypto exchanges require you to have cash in your account if you're a buyer or digital assets in your account if you're a seller which is not exactly how other markets work. In other markets, you have uh, brokers that would provide credit. You might have exchanges themselves that provide credit. So folks can, for example, buy an equity and they settle that trade a number of days later. So the fact that these crypto exchanges are pre-funded creates friction in the market because it's very expensive and time-consuming to be sending crypto to various market venues uh, in the hope of finding the best price on each of them. And what would actually work a lot better is more of a traditional model where folks have the ability to execute on one or more exchanges at best price and then figure out how to settle the trade. So there are folks that are working on this. Um, there's nothing in market today, but you know we see some of these evolutions as being consistent with uh, institutional demand and also what best market practices and other asset classes
0: And just to go back to my first question about, you know, all the various activities you guys have been doing over the years, how did you decide upon this as your next move?
1: Great question. So um, obviously, uh, most people know Fidelity as either a large asset manager or a large provider of financial advice to individuals, but we actually have a pretty robust offering for financial institutions, so broker-dealers, hedge funds, other intermediaries And I think when we looked at the digital asset market, there were a lot of companies that were addressing, let's call it the consumer demand, but very few that were at the time addressing institutional demand, which obviously looks a lot different. And so we felt that um, given our knowledge of the space and our knowledge of institutional requirements, our first best step was to build a platform that met the needs of institutions. And that's effectively what we've done. I mean, that doesn't foreclose us thinking about other opportunities, but for the time being, we're seeing a lot of demand in our service, uh, and we're also seeing a larger number of institutions think about digital assets as a new asset class that they want to allocate to.
0: Yeah, and it, in some ways, you know, a lot of people have said this recently, but this asset class is unusual because institutions are coming after retail. But I do think, obviously, with all the news that we've seen this year, that certainly they they seem ready now. So I think your timing is good. But then I actually also want to dive into your other service that you're offering, which is custody. Why did you decide upon that, along with trade execution as the two main things you would offer?
1: Right. So the concept of custody in traditional financial uh, markets is a, well, a well-known concept that someone needs to safe keep the assets. So, you know, you have custodians for stocks and bonds and other types of assets. You know, there are a number of regulatory and other reasons why institutions need a custodian for digital assets. So that, we felt that that was a real cornerstone of the, of the solution. Um, and quite frankly, we would not have built a complete solution had we just focused on trading or some other aspect of institutional demand. And in fact, we've come across a number of clients who have reasonably large positions in crypto uh, where they're self-custodying. We have a number of other customers who cannot execute orders for, for, to purchase digital assets until they have a custodian. So I think there's a lot of pent-up demand and um it's just something that the market needs right now.
0: Yeah, in a way it reminds me of a little bit how in the retail world we do see so many people entrust Coinbase with their private keys rather than trying to do it on their own and I could imagine if I were an institution I you know would be nervous about. Doing it on my own. I have interviewed hedge funds where they, crypto funds where they've described to me their pretty elaborate schemes for ensuring that their private keys are not stolen. So I know that this is something that a lot of these um, new institutional players are worrying about. All right. So we're going to be discussing the difference between custodying a traditional crypto asset versus a crypto asset versus a traditional asset. Uh, But first, let's take a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. OnRamp is a full-service creative and design agency that has helped numerous companies, including many in the blockchain and crypto space, maximize their brand awareness, gain traction, and accelerate growth. Whether you're a startup company launching a new brand or an established brand exploring a new campaign, OnRamp has you covered. OnRamp has a passion for boosting business results and can help with everything from logo and website design to full creative execution. Focus on your core technology and leave the rest to OnRamp. To learn more and see how they've helped passionate entrepreneurs achieve their dreams, go to thinkonramp.com.
1: Did you know that if you aren't connected to Bitcoin or Ethereum, you are driving the cryptocurrency highway without paying the toll? Become a blockchain citizen today by going to blockdaemon.com unconfirmed and launch your public node risk-free for 30 days on the largest ecosystems, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Stellar. Blockdaemon is the only node deployment tool that allows you to easily create private networks or join public ones within minutes. So don't delay. Spin up and manage your nodes today at blockdaemon.com unconfirmed.
0: I'm speaking with Tom Jessup of Fidelity Digital Assets. So I actually also wanted to know which exchanges will you be trading on?
1: Uh, we're not disclosing that, uh, but right now we're we're connecting to uh, OTC liquidity providers, and as part of our evaluation going into '19, we will look at a number of exchanges um, onboarding them as sources of liquidity. So I think it's um, still early days on that front, but we we do expect to connect to a number of exchanges next year.
0: And do you have a sense of who your clients will be?
1: Yeah, we have an interesting mix of clients right now. I think um, when we started going down the path towards an institutional solution. Uh, the immediate demand we saw was from folks that were dedicated uh, crypto investors Um, what we've seen is a pretty rapid maturation of interest so we would now include family offices any number of uh, emerging asset managers looking to create trust products and other market access vehicles for crypto Uh, and we're starting to see a little bit of interest from you know the most traditional of institutional investors you know pensions endowments and others who are interested in the asset class. And, and Laura, I'm sure you saw the news a couple of weeks ago about some uh, endowments at large uh, U.S. educational institutions allocating to crypto funds, which we think is a very interesting development and quite frankly, one that you know, I personally thought uh, happened a bit faster than, um, than I would have expected.
0: Oh, interesting. And so wh- what does that say to you?
1: I think it says that um, there are people that are doing real work to understand the role of these assets in a broader diversified portfolio, as an example. I think there are folks that are looking at this asset class and trying to look at the return characteristics of individual assets or coins and developing a bit of a a thesis around that. I think investors are really starting to do work um, around this asset class, the way that they devote a lot of intellectual horsepower to understanding the equity markets or the fixed income markets. And I think that's a very a healthy sign for the for the industry there's real work being done to determine the role of these assets in in a broader investment uh, thesis
0: and when you guys pitch these potential clients what do you say is you know the value of these crypto assets
1: <laughs> we don't we don't give advice and and we don't um you know we don't yet have a research offering but i look i think we share our perspective that you know, again, born over, you know, four years of R&D, that there's something very interesting and durable about the underlying technology, the value of which is expressed through, in some cases, the value of the token. So this idea of having these these digitized assets um, that can be used, or that are used to power decentralized applications, used for payments, you know, in the case of Bitcoin viewed as a digital store of value, uh, even when we talk about tokenizing or natively issuing traditional assets, I mean, there's some real advantages to using blockchains to do that. And, you know, we, we try to share some of the longer term thesis around this, which ultimately they reflects into how they think about investing today.
0: And to go back to the cu- custody question, how is custodying a crypto asset different from custodying a traditional one like a stock?
1: Yeah, it's very different because, uh, as you know, these are digital bearer instruments. So in some ways it harkens back to the days of there being, uh, you know, bond or, so- or stock certificates stored in the vault. And so the level of security, uh, as you know, required to protect those keys is significant. It's a mix of a physical security, cybersecurity, and even operational security, which you know Fidelity has a lot of experience with, given the fact that we're entrusted uh, as the manager or administrator of seven trillion dollars of, of assets. Um, we've taken a lot of that enterprise cyber expertise and married that with crypto expertise to, to develop you know a, a wallet and cold storage solution that we think is. Um, Best in class because it does reflect that institutional knowledge uh, with with the emerging knowledge in the in the crypto space, and so ultimately that's really what we're selling to customers from a custody standpoint. It's um, really this idea that we know how to develop and manage security at scale.
0: There's other news that came out kind of roughly in the same time frame as your news, which is about the launching of BACT. And Bax also does aim to serve institutional players, but it looks like they're probably going to make some kind of retail play as well and even bring on merchants and stuff. Fidelity in its core business does also offer products, I think, for retail. So do you foresee Fidelity Digital Assets going that route as well?
1: Not presently. I mean, I think it's certainly an option that we would uh, look at in the future. I think our view is that institutions right now on balance are underserved in this market. We believe that to service institutions requires a different level of uh, you know, service engagement and, and capabilities that uh, are unique to institutions. And we felt that we would focus on that problem first. If we get that right, we have options to service other client segments. But for now, that's going to keep us quite busy.
0: The other thing that I picked up on in your announcement was that perhaps you may offer services for security tokens. Can you say more about what that offering might look like?
1: We're not there yet. I mean, obviously, we have a few customers that would like us to, uh, you know, custody security tokens today. I think that when we think about that whole space, I think it's really, you know, and and we can say it's the second or third wave of the technology. And that's its application to existing assets. You know, I think if you look at how uh, particularly the operational side of Wall Street operates today in terms of resources devoted to settlement, reconciliation, uh, holding reserves against settlement exposures, the whole risk management approach to settling trades. Um, so much of that can be automated using a blockchain. So we think this idea of you know real world assets being issued on a blockchain, whether they're stocks, bonds, real estate, private equity interests, is a uh, is a trend that uh, you know is quite compelling and can create a lot of value in financial services. And so when we think about called the North Star for this business, We've got this current market opportunity around the current set of digital assets, but we want to be prepared when uh, folks start thinking about tokenizing all types of assets so that we can support those across, you know, our entire customer base.
0: You came from chain. Can you describe more of your background before you took this position and how how it's led you to this role?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting journey. So I had spent uh, quite a bit of time at Goldman Sachs, and I worked on our strategic investments team. And so, you know, we were investing in fintech before fintech was even sort of the label that you that you assigned to some of these these companies. And in 2014, I got very interested in Bitcoin personally. Then proceeded to make some investments in the space. Goldman was an early investor in Circle. Uh, Goldman had invested in a number of uh, enterprise blockchain companies. And I got to the point where I was so excited about the space, I decided I would leave to become president of Chain, um, which is an amazing experience, uh, originally focused on enterprise blockchain, and as you know, uh, really now part of the stellar f- uh, family of companies. So very, a very interesting transition over the time that I was there. And um, I had an opportunity to come to Fidelity to work on this business and this idea of getting to work. On crypto in an organization with uh, you know significant market reach, significant resources, and most importantly, you know four years of experience. You know, Fidelity gets it. That was just an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. So,
0: when you take your long experience in the capital markets, and then now your more recent experience in blockchain and crypto, what do you think is happening? Like here, we are facing down the 10-year anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper. We have these announcements from. Fidelity, obviously, there's backed coming online, which is you know from the intercontinental exchange. We have Goldman making investments in Bitco and stuff like that. So where do you see this going where we have this Wall Street activity and crypto activity?
1: yeah I, th- I think we're just starting to see an acceleration. You know, I don't know what the exact phases are, but, you know, from the early adopter phase to the, you know, uh, uh, early majority, late majority, what have you, whatever you want to call it. I think that some of these recent announcements, whether it's our announcement, the backed announcement, um, some of, you know, Harvard, Stanford, MIT allocating to this asset class. And then what we're seeing in our own pipeline, I think that we're at this point where this is seen as a, a genuinely interesting and transformative asset class, but also technology capability for finance writ large. And so I think you will just see a continued acceleration in the space. Uh, And it's the nature of big institutions um, as compared to startups that they typically don't lead the market. So on the back of institutional news or evolution in the space, I think we can expect more news over, you know, the balance of this year and into 19, which I think, you know, raises the, um, you know, raises the bar for everyone and helps accelerate growth in the market, which we're very excited about right? Because it's not just going to be Fidelity that makes this thing a market. So we're excited to be the first or one of the first, and we expect uh, there will be more behind us.
0: Yeah, I can't. Oh, I know. I was talking with Barry Silver, and he said, um, nobody necessarily wants to be the first, but everyone's going to be wants to be second. So, <laughs> so I think <laughs> we'll see the floodgates open. Um, well, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming on Unconfirmed. Thank you, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. New episodes of Unconfirmed come out every Friday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylene Gallapoli, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening.